Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. It's so important that you keep your finger on the pulse of the market right now as there are forces shifting across the globe that will create significant opportunity for people who remain focused. Each week we'll reveal more insights that will help you to broaden your understanding of the market and share with you what you need to learn to help you to take advantage of what lies ahead. Our topic for tonight, predicting predicting the stock market's next move month by month. Mm, Tongue tied there. On each show, we aim to answer as many of your most burning questions, investing or trading questions, including an opinion on where your favourite stocks are headed. Boy, do we have some really interesting stocks for you to review with us tonight. Before we get into the juicy part, though, of tonight's show, we'd like to applaud those who are really thinking about the best way to get educated now so that you're ahead of the masses. If tonight's your first time watching, thank you for tuning in and well done in making the commitment to learn. We look forward to sharing many more evenings with you. Each week of the month, we rotate through different markets and share our thoughts on the charts to keep you informed. Remember, our goal is to make sure that your trading and investing journey is easier and safer by informing and educating you on the realities of successful investing and trading. Hello, I'm Janine Cox, and joining me tonight, of course, is Dale Gillam. We're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. You used some big words in that, didn't you? Yeah, you, you were just sitting there listening to something new, weren't you, tonight? I'm thinking, where the hell are you going? Every week I'm going, where the hell are you going, girl? What are you doing okay. to me? I've just got to keep him on his toes, don't I? 30 degrees in Melbourne today, sunshine, perfect weather, and my pool looks like crack because the pool guy hasn't been for months. <laughs> so you couldn't dive in? No, you didn't I want to couldn't. risk it, but if you went down the river, you'd be swimming with all the duck poo. So what's the difference? Yeah, I think, no. You haven't thought about it like that, have you? No, I haven't thought about <laughs> it like that. But the Yarra River, well, the Yarra River is cold at the moment still because it's all the melting snow and everything else. Because you, do you know where the Yarra River starts? Oh, I can't remember now, but oh, I have been yeah. up there. I bet you the view, everybody's watching those. It mm. starts at Mount Beauty, I think. Mount mm. Beauty or Mount Donald, mm. you one of the two. Yeah. So it starts there, but it's cold by the time it gets to my place. So <laughs> don't really want to know about it. Uh. <laughs> but that's okay. But um, everything's going really, really well. But my wife went, made me go shopping on the weekend because the shops are open now. I know, you poor thing. I feel sorry uh, for you. Two days of shopping, guys. Two <laughs> days of shopping. Please get me out of here. Let's get back into the market anyway and, and move on with the show. But uh, what's, uh, what's our first thing we're going to do tonight? Well, we're you gonna... wanted to talk about the ongoing reports that we're putting up on Flick's as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, Put the flick stuff. Yeah, interesting sorry. stuff coming um, up. Yeah, well, we were doing our, putting up our US market report on YouTube every Tuesday, but mm-hmm. that's all up on Flix. So just go to Flix. It's changing every day. Flix is sort of moving out of beta version now into something else, but uh, there's some really good content on that. So just go to flixx.net. Uh, my interview with Jim Beach that I do every Monday is up there. It goes up every Tuesday. There's other interviews like with Maliana Candro that was up today, I think was today. Manny's from New York. He's a listed up high up in the NASDAQ. Some great chats with him. We've got great chats with Michael Waits from Bangkok, uh, who was in part of um, Morgan Stanley and that for many, many years. Very educated person on the market. We've had money coaches. Yeah, many vet property experts. Who else Todd Miller. Yeah, that was Todd Miller, wasn't it? Todd Miller. Mm-hmm. We've had so many people. That's not funny. So get onto Flix and you'll hear us interviewing it. And soon we're going to be doing uh, lots of Australian experts as well, outside of Janine and I, of course, uh, the experts, but we'll get onto that. But remember, if you do have a question for 
for us, you can send an email, upload a 30 second video of yourself to our Dropbox or just send us a link. And remember to send all your questions through to info at wealthwithin.com.au. And I want to get some ladies on, you know, mm. with videos. We've had all guys on the videos. It's real easy. Webcam, phone, whatever it is, just shoot us an email. But that's what we need you to do. But, um, you yeah, know, to me, I just want the ladies to give us a video. Right. Just to even it out a little bit. Somebody do it. Put him out of his misery. (laughs) Moving on, it is the first Tuesday in the month, and that means... I know he's not going to do a drum roll, so let's keep going. We'll look at the Australian market, so let's get into the charts right now, shall we? What's on the screen? That's not the Australian market, is it? Yes, we have. Yep, I thought you'd know this off the the back of your hand. You look at it every day. I know, but it's going all over the place at the moment. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I mean, I was expecting, you know, obviously with the election... You know, I was saying to Jim Beach last week, I said, you know, the market's really been going sideways, mm. you know, since sort of May, June. It's just been in this big sideways pattern right through here. That when you say pattern, seen. it is a pattern, isn't it? Yeah, it is a mm. big pattern. And you just see it sort of goes up on tiny little stairs, but it's just really since if we look at, actually, if I go in here and I just put on there, because not that one, if I click on that one, jeez. Um, you need some practice. Click on the right thing, Dale. Um, if I go sort of between here and here, you can see here between that, there's something like 24 weeks wow. between those two levels. Now, obviously, at the close of business today, because today was a pretty strong day with them all lords up about 2% today, you can see there it's roughly, it's 11.62%. It's moved in 22 weeks. So do you think that Australia is just mm-hmm. waiting to see what's going to happen in the US? Yeah, I think there is. I think it's very much so. But if I go to here and look at that, and go back down again. So you can see here in 23 weeks, it's only risen 6.5%. Mm. So it really is going sideways, and you know, even definitely from here. But Are you trying to be perfect? No, I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just saying to say to people, the market's <laughs> still in a state of indecisions. Okay. We had that one big week up and then sort of two yes. and a bit weeks down through here. But if we look at today on the marketplace, we can see this big bar here today. So we look at that 139 points on That's our market. That's impressive, yep. About one and a half percent, I think it was, if I use my little tool here. So you can see from the close on Monday, it's 1.7% and it was up over around 2% at one mm. stage during the day. But looking at this, it it was due to go back up one day or two days, but I mm. think I'm, you need to wait for the end of the week at the moment, and that's the point. I think right now we're not sure whether this is just a little bit of a bounce, and we see people jump in thinking it's had as low, it's going up again now. Yeah. But anything can happen with the with the election. Oh, it's done this before where it's gone it's up for a before. day like that. Mm. Yeah, and so reversed. to me it's, it's still likely, I think our market is still likely to head below that low over the next week or so. I think looking at the US markets, looking at those earlier today, we saw the NASDAQ didn't do too much. The Dow and the S&P went up over a percent uh, on Monday, but the NASDAQ didn't do too much. Whereas last week, the NASDAQ fell on Friday like 1% or 2% on its own. Right. You know, so they're a bit out of sync at the moment. So mm. we've got some pretty interesting companies reporting this week. Um, in the US, we've got a lot of their financial stocks reporting this week. So um, up till now, we're seeing a bit of 50-50. A lot of the tech stocks have done well, but Apple's falling away and some of the other tech stocks are falling away and they're taking the NASDAQ with them. And Jim was saying, well, if they're doing good reports, why are they falling away? And I said, well, because when's the best time to sell something? Mm. And he goes, well, I said, well, when everybody else wants to buy. And when they want to buy is when the best news is coming out. Look, I mean, I know you like talking about the US market, but I just want to come back to the Australian market just mm. for a little bit. Yeah. I think the RBA's decision, obviously, That's was, probably had a was, on that. was weighing on the Australian market and affecting mm. whether it was going to go up or down. And people were really uncertain mm. about which way it was going to go. So I think, you know, that's obviously... Um, an important factor. But is that enough? I mean, I know we've talked mm. about the interest rate. But it's short term. It's very short term. Yeah. And we've had a couple of interest rates drops. Mm. Drops. If did I say that right? Yep. Um, and they really haven't stimulated our economy, have they? No. So what is this today's rate drop going to do to the economy? Well, when you've had pessimism for as long as we have had mm. over the past num- X number of months, mm. it's much mm. harder to for the market to break out of that mm. in the short term. We've got to see something positive coming through. So whatever mm. that is going to be, we don't. it's an unknown at this stage. Yeah. So just mm. be sitting on your hands, guys, and, and take it easy. Don't jump into the market just because one day's up. Really, we do need to wait for the end of the week to see where the market is. But just keep checking at the market and uh, Janine and I will always keep you up to date. But now, uh, before we get into our first viewer question tonight. I really did want to thank all of you, that, all of those who did send an email through to us. Really do appreciate that every single week. And if you're somebody who's been sitting here saying, I've got this question, but I don't really want to send an email in, you're the ones we want to hear from. We don't want to hear from the same people every week. Please, if you've got a question, 
put it on an email and send it to info at wealthwithin.com.au and we'll bring it up on the show. But first up, we've got another a video question and this one is from Shane. So let's take it away, Shane. Hi, Dale and Janine. Thank you very much for your show and all the knowledge that you provide. Dale, on yesterday's show, you talked about, I guess, some of the bottom 20 stocks on, on the market. Um, and one of those you mentioned was um, SCG. Just wondering if you can have a look at that. I bought it back in June after I thought there was a downward trend line um, from February um, through, to the, through to May um, and then June closed a bit higher. So I put it back then. It seems to have just gone and sideways since then. Appreciate your thoughts. Thanks. Okay, All right. so he was a good looking mm. dude, wasn't he? Oh, I love his hair. He's got great hair, hasn't he? He's had great hair. He sort of looked like me when I was You'd younger. Be of but that, I had you? blonde hair when I was younger. Mm. The yeah. only thing is that um, it's the, the beard thing that all the guys have. It's really, it's supposed to be trendy and following all the footballers, isn't it? To have no, the I've never facial had a beard. I've never had a beard in my whole life. But we need to get to his question. So, okay. Because um, he has asked the question, so we better Let's ask Let's get on it. to the fact. Um, I actually didn't talk about the bottom 20 stocks, so that's one thing um, he misunderstood. They were the top 20 stocks, but they're all bearish. Right. So I was looking at what they've done this year. Yep. Um, and looked at the top 20 and saying, well, where's the opportunity coming? So, you know how we mm. look at it and say, okay, well, a lot of the energy stocks have been down, mm. you know, like your oil searches, that sort of stuff. Um, and looking at what's, what yeah, just looking at those top 20 because the top 20 are the ones that drive our market. So if the market's going up or down, it's those top 20 that are doing that. And that's mm. really what I was talking about, saying, well, where do you find value mm. in there? And where are we looking at moving forward? Where are you okay, so you mentioned, you mentioned this stock. So SCG, mm. it's obviously been in, in a decline mm. into early 2020 with COVID. Yep. It was already looking like it was weak before that Correct. happened. So COVID just helped flush this out. Now, it may, if COVID didn't mm -hmm. happen, it may not have fallen as far. He's looking at, you know, did I have a trend line down that um, move there? Uh, it's possible that there was a trend line down there because it's got a, even though so it's got that sharp... where did he say sharp, he bought it? I couldn't quite hear that. Well, he was wind. talking about June, um, sometime in June, I think, because he had a trend line from around February down down that slope. So sometime in June down here, he's bought it. So he's tried to get the trend line in here yeah. coming down across those which tops he wouldn't there. Have, which he couldn't have got. He may have got a trend line in there. Look, it depends how it lines up. You know, if you lined it up, you might get one in there. Mm, I don't think you Because you got your, yeah, well, do you want me to go through why? No, that's okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to say that you potentially could get one there. So I'm he, disagreeing with that. I don't think there's He may there. actually be correct um, in, mm. in having his trend line well, in we'll there. we'll find out. But it was a question of whether his entry would have actually been there. He might have mm. been able to get the line, but yep. it's a question of whether the, the, the actual rule would have been triggered or not. So that's really the point okay. there. So look, it's good that he's had a go and he's, it's mm. good that he's looking out for these opportunities where stocks fall into these lows and then they rise out to see if he can get a trend line valid. You know, but yeah. He's also mentioned that he's going to start the course. So yeah, he's going yeah, yeah. to know once he's doing module three of the short course, how to draw, draw trend lines properly. Yeah, we're going to make you a trend line tragic, I think, Shane. We, yeah, We've, we don't want to spoil no, it for no, you at this line. point because you've got a lot to learn and you need to yeah. get to that point. He'll be a trend um, line properly. warrior. Yeah. He'll know exactly what he's doing. So, I mean, the point is, though, that he bought the stock. Mm. It's fallen down. Um, it fell down here in August and then started to move back up again. So if look, if, if we were holding this stock, we wouldn't be looking to sell it at this point. We'd be waiting yeah. to see if it pushed higher and took off through around $2.30. If it pushes higher, then and there are other mm. rules in the course that may be triggered. Yep. Um, but if it continues to fall down, then I would be seriously looking at where your stop loss is and remember to have something in there. Nice yeah, it's been a little bit volatile, so, but yeah, I mean, obviously at this point in time, I'd agree with you, so. All right, we have our first email question from Dinesh. Hi, Dale and Janine. Can you please give your thoughts on Borrell Limited? For a long-term investment, it looks like it's giving trendline entry on five yearly monthly chart. If more spending will happen on infrastructure to come out of the recession, this looks a good investment. Below $5, appreciate your thoughts and thank you, Dinesh. Mm -hmm. So we've got here um, Borrell. Now, Borrell is quite a volatile stock. It's not the sort of thing that I would look to try to hold long-term. Um, at times you can trade it medium term. When I'm saying mm. medium term, it could be that you, you're able to hold on to it between six to 18 months. But at times it pulls back so hard that it, it's likely to take you out of a lot of rules along the way. So it tends to be more a trading stock and you can make a really good income out of a stock like this over a number of months as it mm. rises if you've got the right rules for it. Yeah. Mm. So and so, 
Mm. Mm. Oh, go ahead. He's, he said it's gone. It's, it's trading above a five-year trend line. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's drawn a trend line down there mm. it, it, and it hasn't probably, it may not have gone too much further than the trend line entry mm. where it is right now. So, but it may, it may meet resistance around that $5 mark. So it, mm. at the moment it's trying to push through. So um, he's talking about trading above that sort of area there, yeah. which is what we talk about in my book. Yeah. So in theory, it could mm. continue to rise from here. It's just a question. You need to work out how far it's likely to continue to rise based on some bigger picture analysis. So when when you're looking at a chart, it's not just mm. having a rule. It's because so the short course gives you the opportunity to be able to work out what rule is going to work best over the history of a share. But the diploma course actually allows you to work out how high a stock is likely to run before you get mm. taken out. So that's a really important part of it. And when Dale and I are looking for levels of resistance and where the stock might turn, there's a whole process that goes in, into determining what's more probable. So look, it, it looks like it could continue to rise from here. Last month it was looking weak because it had closed right down on the bar. Yeah. And so far it's only very early in the month. And this is why we don't know whether it's coming into a short-term peak or not yet. So, um, but it's a question of your rules. If, if you want to use rules that say, well, once the stock's actually broken above a trend line and you're happy with that and you've got your stop loss in place, then, you know, that, there's a rule there. So, yeah, there's a rule there. It's mm. just where it's going to find some resistance soon or and not. And then it's about setting the stop loss. Mm. So Because if you're trading, trading longer term, you've got mm. to think about setting a decent enough stop loss, not too tight mm. and close under your money because otherwise you'll just get taken out at the next dip. Because look at the volatility of this thing. Yeah. You've got to have a look at how far this stock falls before you trade it yeah. as it's trending mm. and, and understand it. And it's not a buy and hold stock, as you said earlier. Yeah, so that's really right. from that point of view. But anyway, let's get mm. on to the next question. Now. Okay. So the next one is an email from Jaten um, who says, Hi, Dale. Thanks for hosting the show. Can you please provide your thoughts about the Zipco share price? Ticker symbol, ticker symbol Z1P in short term and long term um, regards, Jaten. So Z1P. Now, we had a question about this mm. some time ago, and we were looking at the significant gaps on the chart of mm. this stock, and we did say at the time that the real risk is that it could come back and fill that gap, which it looks like it's trying to do at the moment. So if I was looking at this stock for one thing, I wouldn't be looking to buy it. It's no. come off the top of a significant Sorry. peak there, that all-time high, and it and it doesn't look like it's strong. So that's always a sign to say just wait for better opportunities to come. So if, if he was holding the stock, then he needs to make sure that he's got a good stop loss in place for that downside. In the short term, it might try to push back up towards the $7 mark. There's a possibility of that. If the, if the market goes up, then it could be supported by a market move. Mm. But the risk is still to the downside at the moment. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it ends up this week. You know, if it breaks through that low there, mm. uh, then it's, it's probably going to head right down to around that $4 mark, I'd say, mm -hmm. or below $5 at least, I'd yeah. say. Uh, very, very much But so. look, if you look at any month, a stock can, you mm. know, gyrate within a range any mm. particular month. So it might move within the range of a previous month. It mm. might not just fall straight like a lead sinker away from it. So that's, that's what one thing you've got to look at, especially with smaller stocks like this, how they trade. Do they just move straight up and straight down or do they spend a bit of time moving sideways within the ranges of previous months? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So probability is what? So probability is to the downside. If it, Like you said, if it takes out that low, it's more likely to fall. If it goes up at the end of this week and closes high, there's a potential for it to get around $7 or thereabouts, maybe even a little bit more. Um, but then you still mm -hmm. don't know if it's going to fall away from that point. Yeah. 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 Did, did, Jaten, did Chen, I can't even say his name, Jaten, did he say he actually owned it or not? Uh, I can't I recall now. Whether you, oh, well, anyway, mm. But if you do own it, mate, just make sure you've got a stop loss on it. If you don't own it, sit back and wait. Um, and so you wait for it to have a direction because right now we're thinking the direction is probably more likely to be down. But okay, how's that? Ah, uh, that's great. We have a question from Jake. Hi, Dale and Janine. I'm looking forward to taking a position in BHP at some stage as I view this um, as a mine commodity ETF. Oh, okay, different way of thinking about it. Given its size and diversity, I previously held from April, waited till ex-dividend and sold when I felt the price was turning south. I was hoping it would come back to fill the gap at around the $32 mark. Would this be a good entry point for a medium to long-term hold? How much weight do you put on the overall commodity price when trading the miners? Thanks, Jake. Look, these mining stocks mm. do move very much so with um, the commodities that they're mining, so that it does have a significant influence on the share price, but at times they will move outside of those um, you know, movements. It could be oil and... and 
and um, and iron ore could dominate depending on the particular stock you're looking at. But BHP, as we've said for some time now, was due to come back to fill that gap and it started to do it already. This mm. week it's an inside bar compared to the prior weekly bar. You can see on the right-hand side of the chart there. So there's, there's a potential change in commitment, but it may only be short-term before the stock comes back a bit further. So it's just something to keep an eye on. But I think the concept of trading BHP like an ETF is probably okay because it is such a big diversified company, but it's still not immune from stock-specific risks. So there is an ETF allows you to get exposure to a broad range of um, you know, different investments, whereas the whereas BHP obviously is, is specific and it's going to move differently to other mining stocks. If you look at FMG, it's moved incredibly differently. If you look at um, Rio, it's similar to the way that Rio's moved, so often they move together, but there'll be other mining stocks that it will look completely different to. Yeah. I mean, mm. with BHP, the two major things that affect its price are the commodity price and the Aussie US dollar. Yeah, that's right. They're the two mm. things, whereas an ETF is more diversified. So whilst BHP is a diversified stock within itself, mm. but it's not that diversified. That's what you're really saying, isn't it? Well, I'm saying it is diversified, yeah, but it's not, mm. I wouldn't think of it as an ETF. No. I mean, I think it's a nice way of, I thought it was really unique to hear someone mm. send us in an email about that. It's just really thinking differently, which is great. Yeah, I do like but that. I think to trade stocks in the top 20 mm. is a good um, decision anyway, because they've got exposure to um, more cash. Okay, so the liquidity is much higher in these types of shares. But the main thing with any big stock, whether it's a BHP or mm. um, even a smaller miner, is just to have a look at the volatility on the chart, regardless of what it mines. Um, so BHP can be quite volatile at times. Yeah, mm. so it may fill the gap down to 32. And yep. if it does and finds support, it could be good by later on. That's right. That's pretty much what we're doing there. But um, mm -hmm. um, I've had a few people still with my book you know, I keep saying my book's for free, just pay shipping. Yeah. So I've had a few people with that um, saying, oh, I went to the shop and it... Look, it's coming up to Christmas time too. That's mm. another thing to think about. Yeah. I just want to explain to people that there's actually two books. There's one we're giving away for free, just pay shipping. The other one, you just pay the normal price. And, and that's the, this is the one that's free, just pay shipping. It's how to beat the managed funds by 20%. You just go top left-hand side, I think it is, top left-hand side of the um, our website. Click on the button... You just pay the shipping and you'll get it. So um, from that point of view, the other book that I've got is my Accelerate Your Wealth book, which is that one. That one, you pay full retail price for that because that's my newest one. So, Are you going to sign them all? Am I going to sign them all? I might. If it's a Christmas present, tell me and I'll sign it for you. How's that? You just Deal. give a special trading message potentially in there. Yeah, make money. The <laughs> make money. Anyway. All right. Okay. Um, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We've lots more to come. Before we get into that, now is a perfect time to go and hit that subscribe button. Also, make sure you like the video and we can bring more of these shows to you. Now, it's time that we get into the topic for tonight, which is predicting the stock market's next move month by month. Now, for decades, investors have been led to believe that October is the worst performing and highest risk month to be in the stock market. And January is one of the best. But is it really true? Just imagine what it would mean to your trading to be able to predict the higher times to be in the higher risk times to be in the market. Would you stay out of the market and wait for better months? To sit out of the market one month and jump back in the next sounds crazy, which is why you need to know how to develop a strategy that really suits the way that you want to trade and your lifestyle, your goals, and the level of risk that you're really comfortable with. Now, not having a proper strategy is actually crazier. Okay, mm. so that would be like coming to Melbourne without a raincoat, a woolly jumper and gloves, as well as a T-shirt and sunscreen. Now, I'm not suggesting that you only wear those items as that might get you arrested. Now, I have seen people go to cold places like Germany without packing the right things. It's a crazy thing to do. Tonight, we'll reveal the months in the calendar year that represent the greatest risk to your portfolio and those which provide you for the, with the best opportunity to profit. We will also share with you how you can manage your portfolio through all the ups and downs. Got all that? Okay. Just, I got it. Yep. Put okay. your seatbelt on and let's, let's go. <laughs> put, <laughs> put your seatbelts on and hang on to your hats, get yeah. the whiskey out and we'll be right. We'll get you there, no problems at all. But let's take a look. First, we need to have a look at some of the data. So we're going to have a look at a couple of decades of historical monthly data 
on the XJO. And for those of you who don't know what the XJO, that's really what the benchmark index is for most of the funds. So it's the top 200 stocks in the Australian market. The XAO is the top 500. So we're going to bring up the XJO first um, to determine whether there are better times to be in the market and months of the year to avoid. So on your screen right now, we've got Janine's brought up our um, spreadsheet. So hopefully everybody can see that. And I'll leave it to you to explain. Now, it. now I'm hiding the results. So oh, I've yeah. actually just slid the page oh, down. You? First of all, so be, so I'm not showing you the top, top of my chart for that reason. Sorry, just right. scratching my eye. I've got something in my ear. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So you're looking at the left-hand side of the chart, and we've actually got month by month the data from the XJO. Now, just for those of you who are not aware of the different indices on our market, we have the All Ordinaries Index, which um, comprises of around the top 500 companies on our market, and then the XJO, which is the top 200. Mm. Now, a lot of funds benchmark themselves against the XJO. So that's just something interesting for you to know. Now, then we've got we've got the date month by month, as I said, and then we've got open high, low close. So this is just data, okay, this that I've exported. Years, is it? Is so it this is twenty eight years, I think, years. of data that I've yep. just downloaded to get a good sample to see what's happened over Did the history. Did you pick that because that was your age? <laughs> <laughs> You're all full of flattery tonight, aren't you? Um, all right, so you can see there that the, one, the lines in orange show a negative. Now, I could have put them in red. I know Dale likes to see lots of red over things, so I made it orange on purpose. And I've put green underneath that to show the gains, the, some of the biggest gains for the year. And this is calendar year. So yep. I've actually looked at, um, even though you can see, like um, here, for example, you can see December 93, and then you've got January 94 in 93, that was the month that had the highest return. Okay. And I'm looking down at, at January 94, and that was the month that had the, the highest return, return in 94. Okay, so the one above that, that was November 93, that, that had the biggest loss in the year, for that the calendar year. year. Yep, and then down here for 94, that was the biggest loss for the calendar year. So got all that, we've got a process happening there. Yep. So as I said, we've looked at 28 years of data, and we've got some results here. Now, this hasn't been verified, so I'm just saying you need to, we're, just, when we're, we're talking about concepts here, so you can go away and look at data and have a look at it for yourself. If you come up with something different, I always like to hear from people. But we're looking here at the months down on the left-hand side in the next little table to the right, so you can so see. One. So that's January. Yeah, so we've got and January to December. December. Now, we can see that the best month, um, there, was, there were six months of the highest returns in a calendar year for April. For April. Okay, now that might surprise some people, but our reporting season happens at, in that early part of the hmm. calendar year. So it's indicating that there's a potential for positive gains at that part of the year. And we know that the story about, you know, um, what is it, go away in May and- uh, Sell or sell in sell May. In May and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so often what happens is brokers are telling people to sell their stocks towards the end of the financial year. Accountants, maybe, I don't know if they're still doing that. Maybe they're not allowed to anymore. But, um, you know, that was always the trend that happened in history mm. where there was this theme. Now, we see in May it's actually showing um, zero for the best months and uh, June was three positive for the best month. So if you look down the best month list you can see down there I've highlighted September and October because they're not far behind yeah. which is surprising isn't it when you think about it because historically October's been thought to be the worst but then the data is slim pickings so you've got to look at this from the point of view that okay there's 28 periods there we're talking about for where we're looking at and we're talking about six six had the best month in mm -hmm. a you know was the best performance in April the rest was in September and October. So if you took those together and you said, okay, if I looked at April, September and October, I've got 15 out of that 28. So that's almost half of the time in those three months, I'm getting the best performing performance out of the market during those mm. periods. Now, one of the things why this is important is because when we're uh, managing client funds, I say to people, we don't need to be in the market all the time. So at times we'll be in the market when there's, um, you know, everything's running well and the, there's clear direction in the market. Some of the big stocks are looking like that they're going the right way. Then, you know, we're in the market more heavily, but we pull back from being in the market. We go to cash or predominantly to cash as that uncertainty builds. So like big stocks like BHP, Rio, 
Um, mm. FMG are all pulling back. The banks have, have started to look interesting again. We need to see a bit more um, from them. So that, that's another big part of our market. So this is where this data can be interesting from the point of view of saying to people, well, you know, you could make most of the returns for the year in just a couple of months of the year. So we used to say to people, mm. it could be one quarter of the year. You've waited, you know, you could wait six months, nothing much happens, and all of a sudden, bang, bang. the return happens in the following quarter. So this is about patience, really. So then the worst month, um, we're then looking at, Dale, on the right, you can see. Is May. Is May. So there were an equal number of, um, of performing months there on the negative side for Mays. But what was also interesting was that there was a four and a four. There were four periods on each September and October where it went the other way. So while we had... surprised me though. Yeah. So it's you interesting, know. isn't it? So while we had the, the four, fourth and the second and third best um, months, September and October, so we had the data showing that that was higher in those months, mm. it was actually the opposite mm. um, in but the same months. when we talked about the Dow, mm. the biggest and worst best and worst days on the Dow, more than half of them are October, both. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that October has a fair share of the best month. So it's month just showing it's month. the highest volatility, really, yeah, to it's me. the highest volatility mm. month. And we've seen that again with October this year, haven't we? Yep. You know, it's just, it's all over the place at this point in time. So you just have to be prepared for those mm. particular months of the year that that sort of volatility can happen. And this is about getting to know the stock market, really, mm and being, you know, have that awareness there. So I did that check at the bottom to show the 28 periods just to make sure that we tallied up mm. the right number of years and that cross-checked with what we found in Optima. So I, so did you want to talk about this a little bit more? Like I've really hogged no, the conversation. No, it doesn't, this, well, I thought I'd do a little bit, but it doesn't really surprise me because, you know, we've often, we, we, we talk about time, price and pattern. Mm. We're talking about the market and we're talking about traders and what happens and we talk about, um, how markets move from low to low, and the and the all orders index will have one have two lows and two highs in here basically. So it'll go up, come back down, go up and come back down again. So if you think you're like of an M shape, and that's what it does. Mm. So it doesn't surprise me that it has some good months and some bad months in there. Two good ones and two bad ones in every single year. Yeah. And the good ones are probably going to be better the most and the bad ones. So, so you're going to have one in the first half and one more in the second half. So then you're looking at maybe those lows are six months apart or roughly six months apart. So looking at some of this sort of stuff, you start to get an idea of why that is. those figures are why they are mm. and why some months just aren't like great months to be in the marketplace because they're those in-between months. But a lot of people talk about, okay, what's the best month? But mm. it means nothing if you Doesn't don't then nothing. look at mm. whether what the data says, what's the worst month to get a feel for the volatility. But then going and having a look at the whole lot, the data set, not just the summary that I've shown you there. You've mm. really got to scroll through it and think about what this is really telling you. And then we look, can I show the seasonality chart now? Yeah, perhaps? you can. I, I know when I did a, I had an article that I was asked to write. Um, or give research for for the Herald Sun a few years back, and they titled it. I think they titled it Red October. Yeah. You know because of October, and I and I went back and studied twenty Octobers, and I found it wasn't true. It mm. just wasn't. There was not Red October. There wasn't the evidence there. More more lows happen in September and November rather than October. Yeah. Um, but just the bigger crashes happen in October with you know eighty seven, um, you know the nineteen thirty two crash or twenty nine crash. Sorry from that one. They had more of the big moves happen in October, so that's mm. why they called it that way. But as we showed with the Dow statistics, we had just as many rises in October that were just that's as it. big. Mm. So you can't really rely on that. So let's have a look at the seasonality chart. Now, now this is actually showing you averages. So mm. this is also over 28 periods because, of course, it's the history of the data that yep. I had for the other research. It's showing you the... Um, the, the higher, highest growths, right? So we have had gains or losses. And the, and it, the thing about um, averages is that they're not telling you the full story. And this is why you can't just look at a seasonality chart. You've got to really look at the rest of it. So that's why we break down the data to have a look because mm. it shows you that April... So that supports the view that April um, has some of the best times to be in the market. But as I said, it was only six periods out of the 28 that mm. that was actually the case. So, and and there was a, um, a reasonable amount on the other side of the equation for the worst. So, what we're seeing here is July is also a reasonable so month saying, on the so market. That's July on average, and then we've got December is also another good one. Typically, 
for as far as averages go, but averages really screw mm. things, don't they? They do. <laughs> because you can't, you get confused about what you're looking at when you're looking at averages. I remember when, um, you know, there was talk about, well, what's the average return on, so someone's asked me, what's the average return? Well, you, an average return tells you nothing because it shows you, it doesn't show you the peaks, the troughs. It doesn't tell you what's likely to happen from a particular period from start to end. Mm. It really skews things a lot. Did you want to say that's something? Why, that? Well, that's why we need to do annualised returns and those sorts of other things because there's multiple different over ways. A, you, over you, a long you, period. It's, yeah, you, mm. can, you can calculate returns in so many different ways from, you know, capital-weighted, cash-weighted, time-weighted. You know, there's, there's a list that goes on and on and on for different mm. ways of creating it. But what does this all tell us, though? It's more well, how do we make money out of this? Well, it's just a, telling you, it's just a flag, really, mm. which you can get it off the chart just by looking at a bar mm. chart to see when the stock's more volatile. But this is sort of a more simplified version mm. of looking, trying to work it out. But it's just showing you that volatility can be higher in March, May and September, potentially to the downside. Yep. So um, these are these ones, yeah. March, May and September. But just like the, the data that I showed you before, even though the monthly data might have been strongly positive for particular months. It doesn't show you what's happened intra-month. Correct. Yeah, something to be aware of. So it was like someone said to me at one stage, oh, if I looked at the returns on the calendar year, I got this, but then I looked at the returns on the financial year and I got a different figure. And you you will. will. Oh, um, wow. Because you're looking at things at a different point in time. You could be looking at something at the end of the financial year and all of a sudden three months down the t track, the return mm. looks different because mm. the market's unfolded differently. So you've now so, got you've got a website or something you were talking wanted to talk about yeah, just, as well. Yeah, just just to have a look. Oh, at, oh, did you want to have this? a look at the Dow as well, just quickly? Yeah, that's the Dow. I mean, so that's the Dow. So, so the that Dow goes back to nineteen or eighteen, no, nineteen hundred. So that's one hundred and twenty years of the Dow. Looks yeah. different, doesn't it? But what's interesting is September's a big one on the downside mm. there as well. Mm. So I thought, okay, if you've got the U.S. market and our market both showing negative at the same time, does that make sense? Well. We know that our market's been moving in a very similar fashion to the US mm. market over time, but there are differences as this seasonality this shows chart me, shows. Between this mm. and that's ours, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. That make, to me, that looks like a better trading for better for Better opportunities for a trader than mm. the Dow. Yep. So that's what that's showing for me because you're getting more variances there and looking if you have a low earlier in the, in the year, then after the low month, get into the market. And if you have a low later in the year, then you get into the market. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not necessarily mm. that we're not saying just to jump in and jump out month on month. That's what I was saying is a crazy mm. thing because mm. it, you, you actually have to analyse the stocks or the market that you're looking to trade and work out what the best strategy is over mm. time. But it's just weighing this information up okay. um, to explain what's happening because some traders might be sitting there and thinking oh, I've had a crappy month on the market well it may mean that you know there's a high probability as to why that is it may yeah. not and it may be your strategy is not right maybe the time frame over which you're trading is not right but it could also be that's just the way the seasonality is but it is and that's the point that's really the point you're making because people go hey look March oh, I made a little bit of money out of March and then oh geez I haven't made much money the last yeah, two so months I'm not consistent yeah. well hey I mean it may not be anything to do with it could be your strategy like mm. I said before but it but it may just be the market. Yeah. Mm. It's not about like getting an interest rate on a turn deposits where it's just stable the whole time. A straight time. line. It's just a straight like line. Like you're dead. So like it's just not going anywhere, <laughs> yeah. is it, at the moment? Yeah, this is a heart monitor. So now yeah. you're going to bring Where's up a website, has... aren't you? Yeah, so now we've got... Um, I just want to show you something that I got from the um, Harvard Business Review. So it says, consider the case of a statistician who drowns while fording a river that he calculates is on average three feet deep. If he were alive to tell the tale, he would expect found on the floor of averages which states simply that that plans based on assumptions about average conditions usually go wrong. The basic but almost always unseen flaw shows up everywhere in business, distorting accounts, undermining forecasts and dooming apparently well-considered projects to disappointing returns. That's why you've really got to consider returns mm. in isolation, not looking at just the overall figure, you've mm. actually got to look at what the volatility is in any period to really understand what's happening. Um, I mean, we've seen many times that some of the mm. big funds, they drive the market up towards the end of the quarter yes. to just to hide that volatility. But what that does is give you a false sense okay. of security. And then um, when we go into a long decline, long-term decline like the GFC, where the market could be down for a year or mm. more, then you'll be wondering what, what just happened. So mm. then, yeah, that's what the issue really is. So Important to bear that in mind. Okay, so Janine, where to from here? We need to look at a bar chart of the XJO 
Yep. Um, and so when are the highest risk times in the market? So we need to do that. And the third thing we need to do is if selecting months of the year is not reliable, what can traders really rely on? Okay, so first if we look at the chart of the XJO, mm. really what it's about is saying, you know, that's that data we've looked at is all good and well from a shorter term perspective and also getting a really appreciation of what could happen in particular mm. times of the year. But mm. it's about now looking at, well, okay, um, does that really help us in the end when we're looking at a chart? Mm. And the answer is that it can um, help us for short-term trading, but I think for more medium to long-term trading, it's not going to really make that much of a difference to people's trading. No, not necessarily. If you're medium to long-term trading, you're going to expect, or sorry, I won't say, you should expect mm. that you're going to get rises and dips over the period of time. And so you accept that you'll get dips throughout the period. If you're a short-term trader, the whole idea is to buy low, sell high. That's yeah. really what it's about. But medium to longer term, it's you're not buying dips, you're just holding it through the whole period of time knowing there will be dips in there. So if we worked on the seasonality chart, it says December's going mm. to be up, mm. right? And we looked at the times where September or October will get, will, had a reasonable probability along with April of being up. So we're heading, in, we're in that September, October period and yet the market's sideways. Mm. Right? So that's the interesting thing here. So it's not necessarily going to unfold the same way every year, but if you were to toss a coin, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's probably the that's next That's what we do thing. as great traders. We just <laughs> toss coins. Yep, it's heads, okay. we're buying. So what can people really do? Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, if you have a, a good set of rules mm -hmm. that you're buying and selling, so if you, for example, wanted to trade an index like the XJO and you look over the history of it, you're actually, there's some really good rules that work well on the All Lords to be able mm. to trade it over the short term and the medium term to capture some of those ranges and to make an income from the market or just to get a, some mm. growth there. And I think that's, the, that's probably the best thing that you can do right now is to start thinking about what sort of rules can I use in the market to take advantage of any rise that comes. Because we could be, we could be heading into a rise towards the end of the year. It's possible, but we'll know actually in the next what couple of weeks whether the market's yeah, going to go up or a, down. I've said, I've said, because of what happened last week, because the market was looking a little bit more bullish prior to last week. Yeah. Last week was a bit bearish, as we saw. Um, we're not sure what's going to happen this week, but if this week we close lower, then we might get one more week down, maybe two. But after that, I'm pretty confident the market will be bullish. But if we don't get a week down next week, let's say this week holds where it is and next week pretty much holds where it is, I still think it'll go up into Christmas. Mm. So I still think either way we're going to get a good December. I'm not sure about November, but I think December will be good probably even into January. Well, if we, we, know if, we go back, get... if we go back to the spreadsheet for mm. a minute, right, just having a look, we can see there that the worst months in that first quarter of the year, mm. um, there were six or seven um, periods there. Mm. We had the worst month We're in worst either months. January, February or March, but it wasn't a mm. high number in mm. any one month there that we're seeing. It wasn't until May that we saw that happening. So that's telling us that it's really either way. Like you had the best month in in um, the first quarter a number of times, but it's not an absolute. You need to yeah. go and look um, at the individual months to really determine that. Can I sort of add a little bit with the, with the presidential election? Mm. Obviously, every time they do a stimulus package, the market goes up. Mm -hmm. If the US market's going up, we're going up because the last 10 years we've been following a lot more than we ever have. Yeah. Um, from that. If Trump gets in, the stimulus package will happen sooner because he's already president, blah, blah, blah. He already knows mm. what he's going to do. He'll just release it. If Biden gets in as president, he's not inaugurated till sometime in January, I think mid-January. Yeah. So the US is in a stalemate because the Democrats and the Republicans basically don't even talk and they don't agree on the stimulus package. So Trump's unlikely to pass one before Biden gets in. Mm. So Whenever that stimulus package is, we'll know the market will bounce. We know that. Because the one thing we know is it will happen. We're just not sure when it's going to happen. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what actually happens. You know. Well, they're fearful about unrest yeah. erupting. Mm. And there'll be a lot of yeah, a lot of possible riots. Also, there'll be lots of legal actions, all sorts of stuff. And for people to watch... But you see, that doesn't necessarily impact mm. on the financial system. No, that's it doesn't. The, real... the stimulus package will. Yeah, that's so that's the, that's the kicker. It's mm. anything that... Um, impacts the financial system, the stability of it can mm. cause negative 
um, mm. a negative impact on the market. But let's not forget mm. that we've got all of those gaps on the, the US chart that mm -hmm. could push it south to fill them. Yeah, so anything can happen at the moment. Mm. It really is, and that's really, I think, the market is. We're not, whilst we probably sound a little bit non-committal, we're sort of thinking the market is a little bit more bearish short term. And some people think when we start talking it's bearish, we're th talking about crashing. No, we're not. We're just well, it's saying just it's, that it's been going sideways now for so long. It's just sideways. It's got to pick mm. a direction soon, and we're thinking it's down a little bit, and then mm. moving up through to Christmas. That's what we're looking at. But yep. I think what you're showing at the moment is fantastic stuff, mm. you know, because it shows people how the market moves and when there's times to get in, when there's times to get out. So traders can really use this stuff to their advantage big time. Investors, probably not so much. It could be just, is it better to buy earlier in the year or later in the year? If you're going to invest, like let's say you have a plan where you invest $10,000 a year in the market. Mm. Do you wait till January, then go in, start a January every year and just keep putting 10 grand a year in there and just buy and hold? Is that a good strategy? Mm. Or do you put it in in September, October? two or three, four months earlier, or do you put it in June or after the tax year, 1 July, where do you Look, put I it in? Look, I don't think it necessarily matters mm. what month you put it in. As mm. long as the strategy's good and you've got some risk management in place mm. to do it, yeah. then, but clearly there could be 50% of the months of the year, if we're looking at April, September and October, 50% of that 28, um, we showed the strongest moves in that, in that time. So, it could be that you, mm -hmm. a better return has had, but then it depends on what the market does in the months after yep. that still. Cool. Mm. I think I love what you've done. So yep. okay. we've got more research to come, haven't we? Um, we do. Not tonight. Not this, not this show. <laughs> we can't show it all on one night. <laughs> cool. Now let's get into some emails. But before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. And whilst you're there, give us the big thumbs up. Oh, big thumbs up. Well, the, the camera's not on me. There's a big thumbs up. Yeah. Now it is. Oh, now it is. And hit the like button too, guys. Remember to hit that one as well because Janine and I do really appreciate it and it really does help people find our channel and get more educated. And you know, we do love helping people and answering all your questions. So the more people that watch, the better. Now, we do have a question from a gentleman called Alfred um, who says, Dale, the intensity of the bots trading is making trading impossible. Possible? Um, can you tell me where to go to get help with having them banned? The ASX should be ashamed, Alfred. Uh, tell it like it is, Alfred. Give me some strong <laughs> words on that one. So, jeez, uh, oh, what do I? We agree, uh, and we uh, absolutely agree. If, I think if it was last week, did last week I got a bit, we got a bit hot-headed on the on yeah, that. Yeah, because we talked about the increase in volatility and how this has happened from the eighty-seven crash onwards, and the increase in the the algorithmic trading has increased significantly from that time. Mm -hmm. So. You know, the industry always argue that we need to create volatility by having these different strategies in the market, shorting, etc., <sighs> and using, using the automated Sorry. trading strategies. Um, but we argue that that's not the way that it's done at the moment. Needs a really close look at with a magnifying glass and stop taking um, what the industry say as gospel. Oh, yeah, and I think um, where do you go, ASIC, mate? That's exactly where you go, Alfred. So you complain to ASIC about the algorithmic trading. I don't agree with you. It's made trading impossible. Trading is absolutely possible at the moment, and you can make a lot of money using the volatility advantages if you have the right rules and structure and strategy. There's a lot of money to be made on the market if you've got that knowledge and the experience. But I 100% agree with you. But if it was less volatile, you could still make money on the market. You less just volatile have to have is just easier. It's just mm. a little bit easier if it's less volatile. And like trading an index is easier than trading a volatile stock because an index is smoothing things. So you're getting a better average, if that makes sense. So, but um, totally 100% agree with you. Generally, I hate algorithmic trading, high frequency trading, all of that stuff. Just because they can create a product doesn't mean it should be there. Um, but complain to ASIC, that's the place you go to. Don't complain to the ASICs, they don't care. Now they do, <laughs> they but do. they're not for that. Okay, you're mm. funny man. The next email we have is from Joe. Hi Dale and Janine, I purchased Worley, 1050, Atomos at 79 cents, Elders at 12.03 recently. Um, which were appearing to be bullish at the time. Now, I thought I put elders in there, but I can't it see is. it there. Yep, it's elders you've got here. Yeah, I've got it there. Um, and they seem to be in decline. Mm -hmm. Could this be due to the current stock market uncertainty? I'm hoping that they will start to show some strength again soon. Should I be holding these stocks for a more long-term view? Please tell us. Thanks, Joe. All right, good question. Um, lots of stocks there. We thought we'll cover off elders anyway. I think it's a bit early on Atomos. Um, I like Atomos, but yeah. I think he's a bit early on Atomos. Yeah, yeah he said it was in decline. Yeah, I don't like. I, I, sorry, I was going to say I don't like it. I don't like it. I do like Atomos, <laughs> but I don't like it right now. Great. Um, All 
All right, so Elders, we can see, has been trending up really nicely. It looks like a bit of um, short-term volatility mm. on the weekly chart. So look at the left-hand side of the chart. It almost looks like it's flatline, but you've got to... Looks like something look fell at, off a cliff. Yeah, look at it more relative to the yeah. more recent years. So if we're looking at this big rise, it's had an incredible run, and it still looks strong at the moment. It's not to say that it's going to stop there, but we just need to mm. wait to a bit of confirmation to see whether it's going to continue to move up or whether it's going to come back and find support around this $10 mark. So really the next couple of weeks are probably critical mm. for elders. If if you weren't in the share, then I'm not saying it's a buy right now. I think it's had a good run. I'd suggest to, um, to wait for another opportunity and just check to see if it does pull back in the short term. But if it continues up mm. above this $12, uh, probably $12.20, $12.30, then it might continue to trend higher for a but, few more months yet. There's interesting spread of stocks. You've got Wally, Adamos mm. and Elders. Yeah, it's good so to it's see the diverse selection. Interesting spread of stocks. I mean, obviously, Wally, if you've got, you know, obviously, BHP, Rio, Fortescue. Mining. Fortescue runs a bit differently than BHP and Rio. Yeah. So looking at Monodelphus and Wally's Wally. Wally's the services side. Yeah, all that sort of thing. So it'd be interesting to see if, the, if the, your BHPs and your Rio start to find support and run where the Wally would rush you run. Yeah. But interesting. I like your stock yeah. choices. Um, probably not necessarily. I mean, Adamos, as I said a little bit earlier, but I do like your stock choices. So well done, matey. The next question we got is from some good-looking dude called Nick, um, who says, hi, guys. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and experience for free. What an amazing way to give something back. Uh, thank you very much. And we do like, uh, hope, I'm glad you appreciate it. But um, he's asking about looking at personal leveraging versus using products rather than a personal loan. Right. Um, so which option is actually financially more efficient for tax purposes and poses the least risk for example would it be more beneficial to trade cfds or equities using a personal bank loan um, would be great to find out the pros and cons for both options including your well, first of all insights. we can't really give you um, personal advice however we could just give you an opinion on lending from the point of view of well, more the leverage, really. Well, it's so, understanding it, I think, because the, is, is the tax is the same regardless of whether it's a leverage in a personal loan or whether it's using something well, but, else, how it all works. But CFDs is leveraged. It's, it's borrowed funds anyway, essentially. Well, it's, it's implied not really borrowing. Borrowed. It's, it's implied, implied borrowing, borrowing. Right, so you're actually putting borrowed funds on borrowed funds. But mm. I once talked to someone about their borrowing this way in that a lot of us have loans on our homes, okay? So we, we have loans. Mm. Okay, so when you go out and you purchase something, doesn't matter whether it's your bread, milk, whatever it is, clothes, you're actually essentially using funds that could be used to pay off that borrowed money. Correct. So essentially you're still using borrowed money. The bank owns your, you know, percentage of your house. You only own a small part of the mm -hmm. equity of it. Because if I had, you know, $50 to buy groceries and I spend it on the groceries, it's gone but I could put that $50 off my loan and pay it down. I'm paying less interest. And then I'd die. That's right, you'd starve. But do you see my point, though? So if you're then taking borrowed funds... I'm hanging in there at the moment, but I'm not sure I'm with you yet. Well, if you're taking borrowed funds and then you're going and putting it on leveraged products, what are you doing? Okay, so you're saying by borrowing money, you're spending tomorrow's earnings. That's right. So I'm with you. So, yeah, so essentially, you know, if you were spending it on the milk and the bread, which are necessities and you have to, mm. um, obviously you, you don't want to die and we mm. don't want to see you get too skinny. Yeah, well, I need to be a bit more skinnier, <laughs> but anyway, so. Okay, but I'm talking about, you know, buying other mm. things like, you know, just expendable items that you don't buy, but you don't go shopping anyway, so you probably wouldn't be buying anything. Well, it's, well, it's, I always, my first question always is, do you need it or do you want it? Yeah. And if you need it, then that's okay. But if you just want it, then it's probably not okay. And and what I find is successful people or wealthy people don't necessarily waste a lot of money. I know, but the, so, look, yeah. there's another side to that. It's someone yeah. said to me that you've got to have a balance. And so if there's something mm. that you want, why wouldn't you have it if you wanted it at times? Like there's got to be yeah, that balance. Where's if, the cutoff point? Because if you're only buying what you need, you're not satisfying that inner whatever it is, you know, that yeah, inner child. But there, you're right there. There's got to be a cutoff point, you yeah. know, as well. Otherwise, it's too greedy. Anyway, but we're getting off the topic. But that's a belief, We're getting off the topic. <laughs> we're getting off topic. We're talking about leveraging it. Personal loan is unsecured loan. That's what yeah. it is. And there's interest rate in that. And you buy, yep. let's say you get 10 grand on a personal loan, you put it into stocks. You own mm. the stocks. You yeah. own those stocks, mate. That's what it is. So, and then you just pay the bank back. The bank doesn't have any recourse over those stocks, but they're all in your name and that's fine. And you pay the loan off. If you're using a CFD or you're leveraging through that, as, as Janine said, it's, it's implied borrowing in there. There's generally some sort of, there's fees in there and interest rates in there. 
but you have a margin account. Now, when you're placing your trades with a CFT provider, they're an over-the-counter product, so they're controlling the whole process and showing you the data that you need to share. And so they will actually sell out those shares if your margin gets out of kilter and all that sort of stuff. Different situation. Um, if you use a margin loan, it's similar to using a personal loan, but a margin loan is pretty much a secured line of credit for want of a better way of saying it. They take securities over the shares, the shares are in your name and the, the bank who's giving you the margin loan or whoever's giving you the margin loan will have security over those. So if your margin gets out of kilter, they'll start selling down your positions till you're back in line again. So you gotta look at the different forms of leveraging. You can leverage quite highly with CFDs at the moment, but that is changing. ASIC's changing all that with FX and CFDs to protect people. Um, but the, tech, the question was all sort of on tax and tax is treated exactly the same regardless of whether it's a personal loan, a CFD or whether you're Still need to a see housing your accountant. Loan. It's mm. always about income and expenditure and interest is expenditure and income is obviously dividends and if you sell down stocks, whether you treat yourself as an investor or a trader, so you can be both in the same body. Um, it sounds a bit schizophrenic, but you can actually be an investor and trader. But that's a question for your accountant to work that out for you, what's the best way for you. But basically, at the end of the day, the tax is pretty easy. It's, it's really, are you in a negatively geared situation or you're a positively geared situation, um, like you do with the house? It's the same sort of thing. But hopefully that answers your question. If not, you know exactly where we are to give us another one to clarify a little bit more. Do you need a drink now? You've got all that out. Okay. We're fine. Um, we have a question from Michael. Hi guys, what jobs could someone apply for if they were to complete any of your courses? Cheers. You can handle this one. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Look, we have had quite a few students that have come through and done our courses and they've gone away and, and got jobs in the industry. And I mean, I think from my perspective, if you're in the market, in an area of the market, it could give you an edge in terms of if you're in the trading area of some big institution. It will. But then they have rules and they, they may have um, very strict criteria as to what you can follow anyway, but your understanding of things would be different. But what I'll say is that some people who go into um, the industry are very, um, I guess, how could I say, blinkered yeah. in terms of their understanding about trading in the market. So this would actually broaden your view and you would be probably in the one and two percenters of people out there that had this knowledge and it may you know, on your CV, give you something that somebody else, else doesn't have and give you an edge, as I was saying. Now, we've actually, our course um, was actually um, rubber stamped. We, didn't we get someone from um, Commonwealth Bank yeah, yeah. Um, that actually said that, you know, that there is a need for this sort of education out in the market. They employed one of our students because of our course. Now, whilst yeah. they weren't being a stockbroker, they were employed by Comsec, mm. they weren't, um, they were part of, I think, customer service. They mm -hmm. weren't part of being they weren't going to be a broker, but they yes. were still employed because they'd done our course because they brought their understanding of the market and, and mm. how it all works. That's really why they took it on. But we've had students, we're stockbrokers, fund managers, financial planners, accountants. Yeah, look, it, I have seen people go into financial planning and mm. that's been frustrating for mm. some people because that is also very restrictive in terms of what you can and can't do. And so mm. people were seeing that investing was being done a certain way, sticking to particular models and, and just managed funds. And the person who I spoke to didn't agree with the way that it was being done. He could yeah, we've see... also had lots of students go, who are financial mm. planners and they have some discretion in managing portfolios and they've found yeah. it very beneficial for them for their business. Yes. But we've also had financial planners employ some of our students to be be the behind the scenes running portfolios for them and then giving those yeah. recommendations to the planner to give to the client. So we've seen that. But well, we've also seen financial planners who in mm. their little um, business group, mm. the, the, someone comes along and says, okay, I've just done this course. Mm. And that actually puts them ahead of the people in that team in terms of their understanding of the market. And I think that's the point. It's, it's If you've got two candidates going for a stockbroking role or an mm. FX broking role or a fund manager role and one's got, if they've both got qualification X, and one's got qualification X plus our course, you're pretty much going to get the job. Basically, that's what I wouldn't we've heard. say that necessarily, but I would Unless say you're that ugly and because horrible. it depends on the criteria that the that the financial planner is looking for, um, and the person. Because it's not just about the qualification; it's about that individual yeah, it's, as, it's as about well. About the person himself, but you're mm. going to have that edge by having the qualification. That's yes. what our students have reported back to us. Because I've got that, I got more in the mm. door. I got. We've even had students being poached because you know on LinkedIn, if they've got our course, mm. 
um, accreditation yeah, right, on there yeah. and they've been poached into different mm. places. So we've got that. But anyway, we need to move on to the next question. I'll be here till midnight. Okay. So, oh, this is mine. Sorry, guys. Um, the next question we've got is from you Nola. Were to, you were trying so, to get me going and it was your own question. I it was. This. <laughs> this one's about ETFs. I actually did answer this question on... Um, my market report yeah, yesterday, but I wanted to bring it up with you because mm. I'll read the question. So um, Noel is saying ETFs, are they worth considering for medium to long-term investing? So I wanted to get your opinion. So I thought I'd bring it up tonight. Yeah, look, I mean, I know in the past that you and I have had a few punch-ons. Sorry, no, we didn't actually Big just debates about this one because I've always said that, look, if you think, if you want to trade ETFs or have ETFs in your portfolio for a long-term investment, go for it. I don't think there's anything wrong with having them in the portfolio for long term. But what I will say is that even if you're buying something for long term, you still need to know how to manage your risk, regardless of whether it's an ETF or a stock, because they do go up and down. So there's, there'll be volatility in a share. It just, to a certain extent, will get flattened out because the exposure, depending on the ETF, has a broad um, you know, investment of different equities in it potentially, depending on what the ETF is investing in. So therefore, it will flatten out the volatility of some of the individual shares that are moving in that um, ETF. But I'd say that, you know, if, you, if you're wanting to, to do, to put some ETFs in there for the long term, one to five years, I'd say, you know, the, the market has a cycle, okay, and the market moves in cycles of mm. roughly 12 months. And then there's a cycle of around two years, and it can also be anywhere between four and six years as well. So depending on the time frame you're thinking, you could be buying an ETF at a low, but then you could be riding it all the way into the next one. So this is why you really need to understand how to manage um, a stock or ETF. It doesn't you know, eliminate the need to actually manage it, is what I'm really saying. Mm, don't mm. just blindly leave it there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Next question. All right. Um, the final question we have is actually from Tony. Um, who asks about long-term investing. So, oh, this was the one to five years that I was thinking of. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Tony, you, uh, did, uh, we asked a question saying, you know, what sort of topics would you like us to cover? And he's mm. saying, you know, long-term investing, investing one to five years or more. Now, we've covered that a lot in other previous but shows. why is that important to him, though? That's the thing we're missing from well, his Well, long-term investing is more three years plus for us. Not One to, one to three years is medium-term investing to us. Three plus years is more long-term investing. If you're if you're somebody in the financial services industry, it's five years or more is longer term. Anything under five years is shorter term. So mm. it depends on your how you classify that for yourself. Well, in direct equity, mm. it's a, we talk about a five-year plus time horizon mm. because, and for that very reason, as I was saying before, that cycles move um, in four, roughly four to six years. So when someone rings up and we talk about it, I just discussed that you know it could move from low to high to low in that period of time. Mm. So. And this is why you really need to be in, if you're going to be in the market, you need to have a long-term view to um, get the opportunity to get some of those gains. You could see some really good gains, a couple of um, either high single digit or double digit gains mm -hmm. in, a, in a couple of years of that first part of the cycle. But the, the last part of the cycle is always going to be down. And, and you, you being an individual may not know where you're starting. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be some downside as part of that last move down into the low. There's, we've done a number of these subjects in mm. these. We've been doing these live shows for two and a half years now. Yeah. And I know we've done a number of them on portfolio construction, position sizing, diversification, risk, money management, those sorts of things. They're the ones you need to watch because yes. um, they'll one, help you with what this is. One year is not long term, yeah. though. Like, no. That's more um, medium that's, term. Yeah, that's for what I'm us saying. Up to, up to three years trading. is medium term. One to three years is medium term. Mm. More than three years for us is longer term. But for the industry, it's I would five have even years said plus. 18 months and up yeah. is more longer term. Get the book for free. Just pay shipping. Tell me all that. <laughs> Give you all the answers in that. <laughs> yep, great. Um, mm. So, what, um, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? That's well, you're up next, not me. So you've got to read that anyway. But um, what's the sorry? But this is what I said before, isn't it? What's right. the best return? So because what Dale and I were talking. So this about, is where the drum roll. This is where I need that drum roll. What Dale and I were talking about is that you guys are out, sitting out there thinking um, about particular mm. stocks. Yep. You're thinking about returns, but we really want to know what's the best return that you've ever made on a stock, and when was it? So, so Janine so wants to know. So that's important, not just the stock code. So get the code. If you don't know the code, type in the stock name and when you actually So put in the comments it. below. Mm. So point to the below. So you go below and you point down that way. Down, down below. Point down below. Stick it in the comments below. 
What's the best retic? Okay. Yeah, it's getting a bit stuffy in here. Can we have some air, please? Um, unfortunately, we've come to the end of tonight's show. We hope that you've had, you've enjoyed the discussion tonight, and thank you. We've enjoyed it, haven't we? Mm, I always enjoy it. Uh, remember, your questions are important, so don't let them go unanswered. And also, if you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss for the show, send in your ideas, and we'll have a look at your up, your request for our next show or the further shows after that. So we've got how many more shows that we've got? We're running out of time, aren't we? It's nearly yeah, Christmas. we're we're running. Actually, I think we're going to have a special offer for people for do our course. We're going to put out about next week, so we might have something special for you next week. But we've probably got about six shows left for the year. Um, we're working on what we're going to do. But remember, hit the subscribe button now like our video too please do that and also remember to share the video of tonight's show on the social media with your friends so facebook twitter insta whatever instagram you name it whatever those but let your colleagues know where we are and how to find our videos it really does help us because as you're seeing we're helping everybody uh here freely of charge so but as the participation grows we can deliver more and more interesting topics and informative things and data for you because it does take time to do what Janine did tonight but also remember to put this show on your calendar as we'll be right back here every Tuesday night on YouTube live 7 to 8 p.m. So stick it on there for next Tuesday. If you'd like to have your question answered on the show, either send your question in an email. Uh, remember too, video questions have a priority. We like to see who our listeners are, so please send in your video questions. And we need a lady. Remember Dale said that he's after mm. a lady to send in a video. Why is that? You're being sexist? Well, well we've only ever had men. Okay. So how's that sexist by asking for equal participation? No, that's the opposite of it. And type wealth within live in the subject line. You must do this before 3 p.m. Tuesdays to get into that night's show, unless we're feeling super generous. Um, we really hope everyone enjoyed the show tonight as much as we have. As always, thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you again next week. For now, goodbye, good luck, and good trading. No, 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 you're going to punch me again later, aren't you? I couldn't see your name gonna, at the end of that one, me. so I just read it. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.